with the Elevate Committee of FCSS, and we're back with our third podcast with the theme of handling procrastination and finding motivation. We know this topic is really relevant for a lot of high school students, so today we have brought in a special guest. So without further ado, I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. My name is Keika Dasgupta. The best way to think about that is to think of a cake with an A at the end. <laughs> it's Keika. And I am the founder of a personal development brand called The Art of Lifing. And this is all about doing life on our own terms and making the best of our life, keeping happiness as a success metric in that whole process. And I do gratitude workshops and programs for both schools and corporate companies. And my background is in marketing and public relations. So the core of what I do in my programs is really take some of the core branding principles that we have out there and apply it to our mental health. And that really comes from the place of, you know, the fact that you've, we've never met a brand with poor self-esteem. <laughs> and so we take those branding principles and apply it to our mental health to really live our best life possible. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We know it's a busy time right now, but thank you for taking your time out of your day to join us. So we'll just get started off with the questions that we and other high school students might have. The first one's pretty common, especially when we're reaching the end of the school year for high school students. This question is, how does one look for hope and motivation when it all seems to be gone? Such a relevant question in the time that we're facing right now. You know, one of the key things I think it's important for people to remember is that the energy we consume from the people that we are around and the things that we are reading and watching all have an impact on us. You know, in advertising, we talk about the fact that 95% of our decision-making is based on emotion and 5% is reserved for the rational element of it, which really only rationalizes our emotional decision-making. So we're ruled by emotion. And if you think about that, when we look at our social media channels, if we look at the friends we're hanging out with and to nowadays virtually hanging out with, are we getting good energy from those people? Are they lifting up our spirits? Is the news and the content we're consuming really helping us or is it bringing us down? I think those are the things we have to be really careful of because in the same way that, you know, when we eat healthy foods and we exercise, we nourish our body and take care of ourselves. When it comes to the hope and whatnot that we need instead of the despair we're feeling, what we really need to do is nourish our mind and our hearts. And inspiration in that way is really food for the heart and the mind. So I always say that, you know, when things feel really tough and very difficult for ourselves, what we really need to do is seek out inspiration so we can nourish our hearts. And that can come in a few different forms. It can either be specifically seeking out content online that can help lift our spirits, but it can also be choosing to connect with people that make us feel better. Or it could be us taking action in the community in some way. You know, right now with COVID, we're watching the news of what's happening in India. And I have family in India and it's just devastating and heartbreaking to see what's going on. But in those kinds of instances, what I need to do is really look at what can I do in my own backyard to make a difference? Can I make a donation to a charity that is helping? Can I help promote the messaging for those donations to other people? Like what are the little actions that I can take? Because when I do that, I can actually help create my own mood. I can uplift myself by doing something better for others. And honestly, guys, sometimes there are times where we have nothing left to give to anybody else. You know, this has been such a tough year and a half. And there are times where I might say, 
I have nothing left to give to anybody else. I'm exhausted. I just want to go to sleep. And in those situations, what I've come to realize is that we really have to show gratitude to ourselves. If our own bucket isn't filled first, we can't help fill other people's buckets. And so, you know, over the pandemic, when times have been difficult and things have felt like there's not much hope out there, what I've really done is I've taken inventory of all the things in my life that I feel grateful for, all the things that I might have in my life that many other people in the world may not have. What's the magic, the little everyday magic in my life that, you know, is normal for me that I can appreciate. And as soon as you start to look at things differently like that, your viewpoint, your mindset, and everything can change. That can be applicable to everyone. And I know sometimes it's hard to find that silver lining in your everyday life. And I think it's really important that we look for that. Now, our next question is, why do you think that so many of us procrastinate, especially students in this day and age? Okay, so I have to admit that I, as a student and still today, I'm a complete procrastinator. <laughs> so I completely relate to this question and go, why do we, you know, in my university and high school and university days, I was known to pull those all-nighters to write those essays at the very last minute. And I would say that, you know, I was a total procrastinator when I was young. Today, I like to think of myself as a managed procrastinator. And, you know, putting things off in that sense of procrastination, what that really often means is that it's a coping mechanism for our mind and body to protect us from something that is misaligned with ourselves or something that is potentially going to cause our minds to burn out. There's a reason why. There's a lot of studies and research that have come out that talked about people who are perfectionists often tend to be procrastinators, which of the logic is a little bit ironic there. But I, being a recovering perfectionist, can tell you that that's definitely, for me, one of those underlying factors. There's three things that I think really stand out in terms of what causes us to procrastinate. And so number one is that perfectionism. We often tend to be hypercritical of ourselves. And when we're working on something, writing a paper, you know, doing something, we think it's not good enough. That inner voice sort of jumps in for us and says, this is no good. And so what happens, and, and this is for me, and I believe a lot of fellow procrastinators is we're sitting by our computer, we're trying to write something, we know we have a week to go, and there's constant criticism in our head about how we have to make this better, it's not right, it's not good enough. So when we put it off and put it off, I know for me, if I end up putting it off till the very last minute, then I don't have a chance to be self-critical of myself, because I literally can't think about it, I have to get it done. So what happens is in that instance, when I start a project at the very last minute, that critical voice in my head has to quiet down so I can focus and actually get the job done. And that seems to be a coping mechanism sometimes that I've used in the past when it comes to getting a really good quality product out when I am too hypercritical for myself. The other thing that sometimes pops up as an underlying factor is intimidation. You know, we might be working on something and we're not quite sure if we can do it, especially if we are focused on perfectionism, that intimidation jumps in. And then what happens? Our mind and body just wants to shut down. So instead of working on this, I'm just going to go watch a video. Or instead of this, I'm going to go talk to my friends. Instead of this, I'm just going to go take a nap. You know, that intimidation makes us shut down. And really the only way that we can fight that intimidation is taking those baby steps and really believing in ourselves and giving ourselves the best effort. But the other thing that also can be an underlying factor is feeling overwhelmed. If your to-do list is totally full and you don't know where to start and you've got a lot of competing deadlines against each other, and I think that's the case for so many students today, then that overwhelm gets us to a place where our mind is in overdraft and that's when we have to just kind of stop that overdrive 
says like, we have to stop everything and we don't know what to start with. So we just put everything off. So what's interesting is that these underlying fa factors are actually like counterintuitive to the actions we wanna take, but often that procrastination is coming from something that's not aligned for us. And so in those kinds of instances, things that, you know, research has suggested we do, things that have worked for me and I think for a lot of students, sometimes it's just building the awareness to find out what is it? It's, you know, getting to that introspection of like, what is it that's standing in the way of me doing the work that I need to do? Why am I trying to put this off? So journaling can help us in that process, speaking to some of our closest friends or family who know us really well to help us build that awareness. I put voice notes on my phone where I will sometimes just talk to myself as I'm taking a walk in a park or driving, that sort of thing, just to be able to see what comes out in the same way that journaling does. And then even mindfulness or meditation can help us to really become better connected to what's really going on inside of our heads. The key thing here is that procrastination is there as a coping mechanism. It's there to tell us something. We just need to be able to do the things we need to connect to ourselves so we can hear what's really happening inside of us. Yeah, I totally relate to that because a lot of the times I want to do the work. It's just, I'm afraid of doing it and then messing up and then, you know, not getting a good mark on it or just not doing well in general. Yeah. I really like your advice for like how to find the root of why you're procrastinating instead of just looking at the fact that you're putting stuff off to the last minute. Yeah. And you know, I've done one activity that this might help. I know that it's helped me in the past as I've sort of gone from total procrastinator to managed procrastinator is I've almost given myself a challenge and I've said to myself, okay, for example, today's Monday, I have something due on Friday and I'm totally feeling the procrastination. I just want to put it off. I will sit down and say, okay, what I'm about to write right now, I'm not going to hand in. I'm just not going to do it, but I'm going to challenge myself to see what comes out. And that way, when I know I'm not going to hand it in, I know it's not going to count for something. I can take away the overwhelm and I can take away the intimidation and the perfectionism and say, I'm just going to write it. I'll write for a little bit and then I put it away and I walk away. Don't even think about it. I walk away. I know that nothing's going to happen with it. And then honestly, Joanne, the next day, let's say Tuesday morning, I come back and I open up my computer and I start to read the document guaranteed for me 100% of the time as I read it, I go, oh, this is not bad. <laughs> this is actually pretty good. I think I can use some of this. And this is what happens is that our critical voice inside of our head sometimes can take over. And it's not necessarily an objective voice because it wants to be perfect or it wants to be really, really good. It wants to get that best mark so badly that it becomes critical unanimously with everything we write. So becoming aware of the fact that that voice is there, it's helping us to get good grades, it's helping us to perform, but we have to recognize we can thank that critical voice and say, okay, thank you for being here. I know that you're helping me to learn more and be better, but today I'm just going to do this. And suddenly those types of reinforcements can show us that, oh, hang on, I can do a great job a week before something's due. I don't have to wait till the very last minute. Yeah, that's some really good advice because waiting until the last minute can get super stressful. And that sort of leads on to my next question is that how does procrastination negatively affect people? Oh my gosh. For any procrastinator out there, you can totally relate to this, right? It's brutal. It's so stressful. It's tiring. It's hard on ourselves. We sort of, you know, feel like we're carrying the world on our shoulders, doesn't it? And the thing is that if we want to actually stop our procrastination, like if we want to say this is negatively affecting us and we need to do something about it, then the critical thing we need to do is number one, accept that this has a purpose. Because, you know, the most important thing is this. If I say to you, 
issue today. Anger might be an issue that's come up before. You've taken some anger management classes. Now you know that you can manage this. Can you promise me that you will never, ever get angry ever again in your life? The answer is unequivocally no. Of course we're going to get angry. We all feel anger, sadness, hurt, feelings that we don't like to be in, but we feel them. And why? Because they all serve a purpose in our lives, right? So in the same way, it's not necessarily about stopping procrastination completely. That's a coping mechanism we have in our minds and our bodies, but we can manage it. We can recognize that that coping mechanism is there for us to tell us what's in misalignment with ourselves. And then we can take the little habits and start to change them in some way, you know, because the thing is that the negative impact of procrastination doesn't always happen to the people who suffer at the cost of us procrastinating it, it can take a toll on our bodies, on our minds. I'm sure as my fellow procrastinators in this audience can relate, when something's been on your back and you've been carrying it for so long and we've been putting it off and putting it off, the weight of that just continues to grow, right? And then as soon as something gets done, doesn't it feel like you've just lifted the entire weight of the world off your shoulders? I've had that before where I've had maybe a pretty small assignment and that I've procrastinated for whatever reason and couldn't get it done. And the minute I got it done, suddenly I felt so much lighter, even though my to-do list was still fairly long and that I had only scratched one thing off the list, I still felt so much better. And so, you know, we have to recognize the negative impact that comes from all of that stress can be managed if we accept that procrastination is just a normal part of our body's response to life and that we can manage this process by changing our habits with small baby steps so that we can heal the misalignment that comes into it. Why are we feeling intimidated? You know, why do we feel the need to have something so perfect beyond what we think that we can even accomplish? Where's that coming from? And then, you know, recognizing inside of ourselves that we are capable of doing something to heal ourselves from those things. Now, the next question that I want to ask you is what are some little habits or changes that we can make in our life to decrease the stress and the procrastination that we deal with day to day? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is what I always say to people is that when we change our internal dialogue, we actually end up changing our external reality. So if we can change our internal dialogue to make it more positive for ourselves, then we can actually change our external reality to make it more positive for ourselves as well. We are often our own worst critic. We judge ourselves usually worse than anybody else judges us. You know, I came across a visual on social media the other day that I thought was absolutely brilliant. And I'm going to try to relay it on audio here. So I hope I do it justice. It had a picture of a 40 watt bulb and it said this is how we see our impact in the world like this is how we see ourselves we're like this little dull and dim 40 watt bulb and then on the other side of the visual was this thousand watt bulb that was like shining as bright as the sun and it said this is the actual impact we have on people and if we could only change our internal dialogue to become our own champions, to really recognize the actual impact we have on people, then we could shine in a bigger, brighter way for ourselves. And the procrastination that often covers up those feelings of intimidation and perfectionism and overwhelm, those would go away. So, you know, when it comes to the little things that we can do, number one, it's so much harder to do than to say, but it makes all the difference at the end of the day is we have to start to be kinder to ourselves. You know, we are our own worst critic and what we want to do is become our own biggest champion. And the way that I would ask you to think about changing this habit is this. If you think about somebody in your life that looks up to you, you know, most of us all have at least somebody that looks up to us. Maybe 
maybe it could be a friend at school. It could be our younger brothers or sisters. It could be somebody in the community, but there's somebody for whom we are championing them. Think about if you've got a sibling or a friend who's doing something and you're constantly saying, you've got this. I know you've got this. You know, you're going to make a difference here. Think about a teacher or a coach or somebody who's had a really profound impact on your life, who's always been there. Your parents, maybe, you know, who've always championed you. How do they speak to you? How do you speak to your best friend? You know, if your best friend said to you, oh my God, we were supposed to meet the other day and I totally screwed up and I forgot. I'm so sorry. I'm like the worst person in the world. What are you likely to say to them? You might be like, yeah, I was a little bit pissed <laughs> you know, that we couldn't do it, but don't worry. You know, we all go through this. It's all right. I forgive you. It's okay. We move on. We often are kinder to other people than we are to ourselves. So if we want to start changing our procrastinating habits, the biggest thing we can do starting today, starting this minute, is we can start to treat ourselves like our own best friend or start to treat ourselves like we do the people we champion, like that younger brother or sister or that friend. We start to use the the voice of the coach, the teacher, or the parents that are always encouraging us. We have to start to change our internal dialogue to reflect how we can be our own biggest champion. And you know, the thing is that it's not that easy to do it because it, old habits die hard. But what I suggest in these instances is make a pact with a friend and say, every time you hear me putting myself down, I want you to stop me and say, oh, oh, oh you've got to change your dialogue. And then I'm going to do the same for you. And when you make that pact, you're going to start to see where and when you start to bring that negative dialogue out and then start to change it day by day, sentence by sentence, word by word. And as you build that up, you're going to see a phenomenal ripple effect come out from there. Thank you. And I think to cover all these and to wrap this podcast up with everything that you have answered so far, the last question would be, are there any ways to stop procrastination completely? Because it seems as though like procrastination is always coming back to us, no matter how far we're trying to get away from it, there are times that it would always come back to us. So are there any advice or ways that you think procrastination could stay as far away from us as possible? Yeah, so this is a great question. And I think, you know, we tend to have this propensity to run away from things that feel negative, that don't feel good, even when it comes to our emotions, like feeling happiness or feeling sadness or, or the feelings that, you know, if, if we're feeling upset, we want to like immediately get away from feeling upset and get back to happy as quickly as we can, right? We tend to do that. And with procrastination too, we judge ourselves, we're hard on ourselves and we say, this is not a good part of me. I need to change this. I want nothing to do with procrastination ever again. But the more we try to run away from it, the more it's going to stick to us because it's a coping mechanism and because the procrastination is really a mirror that's showing us that there's other issues at play in our lives that we need to address. So, you know, when we go from being an uncontrolled procrastinator, for example, to a managed procrastinator, that is about when procrastination is coming in and creeping into our lives, if we welcome it, which sounds counterintuitive, I totally know. But if we welcome it and say, okay, why am I feeling like I wanna run away from this right now? Why do I want to put this off? Not with any type of negative judgment, like I can't believe you're doing this, why would you do it? But welcoming it from a place of inquisitiveness and positivity and saying, okay, if I'm feeling like I need to procrastinate right now, it means that my mind and body are trying to tell me something. What is it that they're trying to tell me? And if we sit and we really listen to that, 
then the underlying issues can surface. Perfectionism often comes, and this came from my own experience, of not feeling like I was good enough. I had to over excel. I had to be the best at everything because every time I didn't do well at something, I'd get critiqued and I'd feel bad about that for myself. And I'd say, I didn't do enough and I need to do better and I need to do better. So I would just jump back in and try to like overachieve on everything. And what that led me to do was I filled up my calendar and my schedule with all kinds of things so that I was constantly busy and constantly stressed. And I would procrastinate because I was overwhelmed. And when I started to really dig deeper into this and start to really sit with the procrastination and start to welcome it and start to ask, what I realized is that when I was a kid, when I was really, really young, I used to have the adults in my life call me lazy when I didn't want to do things that I didn't like. And so when I was called lazy, it was like I was bad. And I knew that I wasn't lazy, but that was a label that was given to me. So then I set out as I was growing up subconsciously to prove to the world that I wasn't lazy. And I would take on projects and take on all kinds of things, even though I knew I had no more room to do something and I would run over time or I'm going to be late with things, I would still take them on. I would still say yes. I was a people pleaser. I'd say yes to everything. I'd be completely busy. Why? Because nobody could call me lazy then. Look at all the work I have to do. Look at everything I'm doing. But none of that was helping me or the people I was saying yes to if I couldn't deliver. And so this is the kind of thing that's a lifelong process because the procrastination is something that just, you know, it protects us from this. So I didn't want to be lazy. I started to do this. I felt overwhelmed. And then I just didn't want to do any of the work. So it's that kind of cycle. As soon as I started to build that awareness, then I started to learn, oh, I actually don't have to fill up my schedule to the brim where I am now breaking promises. And I don't have to think of myself as somebody who's super, super busy so that nobody thinks I'm lazy. And so I started to change that internal dialogue and it changed my external reality. And, you know, I think that this is a human part of our emotions. So we have to just most importantly, not judge it welcome the process, sit in the feelings that can often feel uncomfortable, welcome it so we can understand it. And once we do, then the procrastination will go away. And like I said, I'm a managed procrastinator today. I still struggle with it here and there, but I feel like it's so much better than I was in my younger years. And I feel like if we really start to change that inner voice and that critic, we can feel a big difference in our procrastinating habits. Thank you so, so much for joining us today and just giving us all these advice because ever since like I've started high school, procrastination has been such a big issue for me and those around me. So hearing someone who has experienced it like us and giving us advice like this, it really, really helps. And I'll for sure be using some of these advice, especially the one that looks for where procrastination stems from. I will be using that one a lot because a lot of times I think I just let it pass and just ignore it because I think it's like natural human nature, which it is, but I don't go into depth to see what's going on in my life and why am I acting this way. And you know, to not judge it, we're all human and procrastination is part of what we do. Like, I'll just add one more thing to this, Ursula, if you don't mind, but you know, there are people that are, this is what I've learned in, in the creative marketing world that I live in. There are people who are really regimented and really structured and get everything done on time and always put it in, you know, 
always handed in and they're amazing in some ways. Then there are the creative people who are procrastinators and I'm not totally labeling, but I'm saying a lot of people who are creative, who are procrastinators, who need to get the feeling, they put things off, the people that are perfectionists, both of those people serve a purpose in the business world. So, you know, in high school, a lot of students are feeling stress and pressure about work and projects and things that they're doing. But even in the business world, we need both of those people. We need the perfectionists in the world to really raise the level of the work we do. And it's okay to be a procrastinator and a perfectionist. It can still get you really far. We also need the people that are structured and on time and really good because all of us are imperfect, right? So we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And if we only reprimand ourselves on our weaknesses, we're being unfair because we might have procrastination in our bailiwick and we think that that's something that makes us weak. Other people have other things that make them weak too. So at the end of the day, it's so important for us to not judge the procrastination, but just look at how we can continuously make ourselves better. Because that is something we can do is we can always improve ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have any like final words or final advice for anyone who's listening right now? You know, I would say that with this pandemic and the way that we've all experienced everything over the last little while, I think that there are little things in our lives that we can be grateful for every day, but we can also be grateful for the things that we bring to our world, the positive things, the qualities and the traits. So it's so easy for us to over amplify the negative things that we might not like about ourselves. And for me, that was procrastination for a long time. I was like, I'm such a procrastinator, such a bad part of me. And I've stopped labeling that as bad. And today I say I'm a procrastinator and I manage that procrastination. And it comes from the fact that I like to be a perfectionist. And because I like to be a perfectionist, I've done some really great work in my career because I've always strived to achieve the best. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that part of me, you know? So I think it's really important for us to recognize where we really excel and celebrate that and look at the pieces of gratitude that we can give to the things around us and to ourselves. When we do that, we will become better at managing our procrastination and feeling better overall as well. Thank you. And I heard that you had some organization of your own. Would you like to give us more information about it and also where we can look for more information or contact or even involvement with it? Oh, sure. Thank you so much, Ursula. Yeah, so I do anti-bullying and gratitude-focused workshops and diversity, equity, and inclusion workshops. You know, my family came from India. That diversity has always been a part of me. And I do that training for schools and for teachers and educators and also corporate leaders. And so if anybody wants to learn more about what we've discussed today, or any of the work that I do in that regard with um, the school system, I would love for you to check out my website. And that website is The Art of Lifing. So it's uh, www.artoflifing.com. And lifing, you know, if you think about adulting, that's kind of where the word came from. And it's L-I-F-E-I-N-G. So www.artoflifing.com. That'd be great. All right. And that concludes our third podcast. Thank you all for joining in and listening to us. And thank you so, so much, Keika, for joining us to answer all these questions that high schoolers have. We'll see you guys next time at our fourth podcast, where we'll be talking about how to face failures and rejections. Thank you so much, guys.